Welcome back to IT Visionaries and part two of our interview with Steve Comstock. Steve Comstock went from simply wanting to be an Uber engineer to the role of CIO at CBS Interactive, where he managed the media conglomerate's entire digital enterprise. After more than eight years with CBS, Steve recently left the company to pursue new opportunities. On this special two-part episode of IT Visionaries, Steve generously shares all of his experiences working his way up the IT ladder, including how he first got into technology, what it's like to be in charge of streaming multiple Super Bowls and other major events, plus the challenges of the role of CIO and the future of digital media and much more. Please enjoy part two of the conversation. And for part one, click the link in our show notes. This podcast is sponsored by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. Salesforce just introduced the Lightning Platform Mobile, the low-code mobile app development platform that empowers anyone to easily build, publish, and manage AI-powered mobile apps for employees and for customers. Find out more at salesforce.com slash build mobile apps. What were some of those things that you really struggled with or, you know, as an IT leader, as a technologist, those low points in, in your career during that time? <laughs> um, there, there's a few. So, some of it was us being the digital side of the business and, and really kind of bridging over into the analog side of things, yeah. the, the studios. Um, and it could be your whole career. It doesn't have to just be that. Oh, I, I love failure. Um, so bridging, bridging over that, it was, was really challenging. And I, I I think I could tie it across a lot of my career is like just kind of the, the, the maturity curve of where different people are, like we're in the digital space and we're really trying to accelerate. We're very far ahead in the idea. And then you try to connect it into an analog system and those systems aren't as mature or the person in in the newsroom doesn't realize that if you unplug that yellow cable underneath, we just lost the whole stream. Yeah, totally. Right? And that th- th- it was connecting into the camera that was then hooked into the broadcast center that did the whole link into the encoder system that would just provide a whole stream. And, and I, I think that was really kind of a big challenge of just bridging that gap and people... And, and the other thing too, that I thought was really interesting from a technology perspective was that this is an industry that's been around for a long time. Yep. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at your screen at the 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 voice stuff. Yeah. Right. And, and you're going to edit and do all that fun, fancy stuff. But you have people who are career control board people who know how to manage and, and run an analog control board. And you put a digital control board in front of them, it is a world of hurt for them because you only have... It's fascinating. I mean, if you ever get to tour like a uh, broadcast center at CBS or big news. Oh yeah. So I've been all over. I, uh, I've been to ESPN multiple times uh, back when I was a cadet at West Point. Uh-huh. And so we got to tour the whole thing, all the new facilities that they had built, all the new, like every single, all the huge, huge rooms. With right. Just like buttons for days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it's fascinating. And talk about agility. You, you, you watch the news folks, they could switch a story within seconds. It's unbelievable. Uh, you know, so they're queuing it up and, you know, you got the the anchor person on there 
with the ear thing, listening while they're trying to talk, which I don't know how the heck they do that. And they're going to switch a story to something else. Unfortunately, it probably a shooting somewhere. Like we have too many of those. But anyway, it, something, one of those will pop up or a breaking story, or they'll cut a story because they, the, the editor in chief didn't get a, a source completely vetted or they, they go on the fly. Oh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, just the fact that we do real time cuts of replays mm-hmm. of like somebody just stole the ball, went down the court and dunked it. And the fact that you have a real time replay with the telestrator happening seconds later is beyond amazing. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, and they've done a lot of this from an analog perspective. So you throw the digital side in and if any, it's always going to be the software's fault. Yep. Right. So if any of it breaks, it's like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to debug it. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to do all this. It's a maturity curve thing in my mind of both the technology and the people using the technology to understand how to debug and move quicker. And even the words are different. So we, we joke about all the time about like having a tape sync or cutting tape or all this tape. And if we always joke like Jonah, who's going to be doing all the editing of this, like, we don't even have tape any. There's no tape. Right, right. <laughs> right? Like we're not, but it, those terminologies still exist. It's like, you know, how, uh, how you know, Instagram had the, uh, the cover was. Uh, the old Polaroid. Uh, yeah, the Polaroid. And it's like, it's, they've never even used the Polaroid and yet everyone <laughs> is on the app. But yeah, I mean, even just like lexicon wise. Right. There's a lot of changes that happen super quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And and how do you translate that between the two? I, you know, and I think a lot of the failures were misreading maturity because mm-hmm. uh, sometimes you want to be at spot D, but really you're at spot A and you think you're at spot C. And it's like, oh, wait, we skipped over B and C, but really we needed to do B and C to get the D to do it right, even if we're in a digital space. It's just maybe the, the space between A and B, B and C are microseconds versus months but we still got to go through those maturity steps to get to those points. I mean, the, one of the failures is just the unpredictability of traffic and, and solving that problem was, was a really big one because it was huge brand, huge brand impact. You were in brand wars almost, mm-hmm. uh, at least is what I felt in that if at any point one of your competitors could point out that you failed, it was a win. Oh gosh. Right. It's like, why would you go look at uh, the CBS news streaming? It was down. Did you see it was down for two and a half seconds during blah? And they're yeah. like, it was 2 a.m. on a Tuesday. I think my mom was watching. Yeah. That that was it, right? But, but and ultimately that's Steve's fault? That's my fault. Yeah. It is a bummer, but it's, but it's my responsibility. Even if it wasn't my direct responsibility, it's my responsibility as a technology leader to help mature the whole organization to a point where we address those and take care of those and identify where those problems are. And while it might not be directly my fault, it's my responsibility to help whoever was responsible for that to to find that curve of maturity or, or find that step to solve that problem. Because I think one of the things that's really cool about the CIO role is you see everything. There's probably not anything you could throw at me that I haven't already failed at. Yeah. And that sounds horrible. If you're going to hire me, I don't fail all the time. I'm actually really good. <laughs> but it's like you 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 go through challenge, you go through steps. We 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 trial and error. We trial and error. Trial and error. I mean, it, it ever since the early days of my career it was trial and error. You you figure it out, okay, what's the debug? Okay, it's not that. It must be this. Okay, not this. It must be this. 
And so one of the great things we can do as technologists, as leaders, is help those who maybe haven't been in that fire. Yeah. And help them go, okay, hey, I know you're up to your eyeballs and alligators, but this is, let, let, let's kind of work through this a little bit. Let's think this through. It's probably not this, might be this. Let's kind of deconstruct this a little bit. Oh, did you just push out a new feature? What features were in that latest push? Let's kind of deconstruct it and see if there's maybe something in there that might have caused this problem. And you know, it happens. It happens all the time where, you know, they could maybe push something where that every time someone comes to a, to the site, 50 videos launch. Well, that's going to add more stress on the video system as well as the ad system, as well as the EIEIO system. And if you weren't expecting that, then it's going to look like those systems weren't properly built out where it was just uh, maybe an oversight or a mistake, but how do you, how do you detect that and move quickly? I can give you specific failures, but uh, those are, give me one, give you one, just something, something bad that happened that you took a week of your life and you just, oh, oh man. Um, which one? <laughs> oh, you're looking for which one? Not not to find one. Not to find one. Oh no, it's it's a which one. You, you'll find out with me. I'm very transparent about this kind of stuff <laughs> because again, I I find it very valuable. I think we were talking earlier that sales is a tough job, but I think this is an equally tough job, and that we do a lot of self soothing and ego stroking about how great we are and how we've never made mistakes. And I just can't play that game. I, I am. I think that as a profession, as a career, we got to acknowledge our mistakes and learn from them and, and move forward. And man, which one? I I, I think we, we made a mistake with, I think it was one of the football seasons. And I don't, I don't remember which one, where we hadn't had this, this process in place yet of continually testing, continue load testing. Uh, we didn't have a load engineer who had all their, all his, in this case, his metrics in place to determine how well things were performing. And we had a security mandate to SSL everything. And the initial analysis, I'm gonna do the finger in the air. Oh yeah, it should be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, this, this should be totally fine. What they forgot to take into account is that all the systems went SSL, not just the front page. So then what started to happen is you see degradation as people are trying to change their rosters, et cetera, maybe on a Sunday. And talking for fantasy football? Fantasy football. Yeah. Which it's, you know, for some people that you just don't do that. That's that's sacrilege. Um so they couldn't. So they couldn't change their fantasy football lineups. We we would we we started to go down and we started oh, to brown man. out and we couldn't figure it out and and instead of having all those metrics and and tools in place and this is one thing that I, that I learned. It's like you have to put the the right things in place. It became a well, it must be this thing over here, and we were chasing an albatross that just didn't exist. And then it was finger pointing back and forth. What well, was engineering? No, it was ops. No, it was this. No, it was that. Instead of the where we ended up, which I was very proud of this team. They did a fabulous job. And if you guys are listening, you guys did a fabulous job. Where engineering and ops 
and networking and QA were all in the same room through all the the testing. And you had this gentleman who was just fabulous with all the load testing saying, it's going to fail at this point at this spot. And we'd all throw our money in the table going, okay, let's see. <laughs> and sure as all get out, uh, I'm not going to cuss on your your podcast, <laughs> but it, it would. But we didn't have that in place. And so it was the time to recovery was very long. And as a consumer, this is the thing that killed me. And and you said what made me lose a week. It wasn't the phone call I got from the GM of sports because he gave me nicest guy in the world. He gave me that look like I just let him down and just killed me. It wasn't the phone call from the CEO, a, a gentleman I have a ton of respect for. And that, that just I knew I'd let him down. But it was just like the consumers. It's like you guys. Yeah. Because uh, I got to look you guys in the eye. The Twitter mentions. The, the Twitter mentions. And, and you would get called out oh, in right. the Twitter oh, mentions, yeah. the people who knew who you were. And it's like, I, I, I felt horrible for you. It's like, Mike, it was the phone call from my 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 brother-in-law going, dude, what's going on? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm like, I I, I know. I, I know. I'm on it. I can't take this call right now. And let's figure it out. And that's- He's like, I need to put in Cam Newton and I have Eli who's on a buy. And you're like- First of all, you shouldn't have had Eli to begin with. Second of all, I'm on it. Give me a break. Give me a break. And you know, go go talk to your son. Maybe or oh wait, no, your your son's playing and beating you. So it's, yeah, yeah, that's why you're calling me. But that 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 was the thing that that I I really took a lot of pride and a lot of investment in it. And so when we launched Star Trek, the Star Trek Discovery, it was a per it was super personal to me because yeah. I'm, I'm a Trekkie. Yeah, I love Star Trek, and my friends are Trekkies. And we were not going to go down. And fortunately, these other events happened and we had the light bulb event and went, wait a minute, we're looking at this all wrong. And that's when we started going down the S, uh, the SRE path with SLOs and SLIs. But it's it's like, okay, how do we prevent this in the future? Because this stuff is going to fail. Yeah, it's, totally. it's always, always, always going to fail somewhere, sometime. Maybe you as the consumer never saw it, but I will always know it. Mm-hmm. But my goal is that you never see it. But we had to put all these things in place. And I think that failure, even though it crushed me, it crushed me for a good period of time. And 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 there were a couple of them like that that just crushed me because it just was like, I know we're better than this. Because that's the other thing. Like, I know my team's better than this. Yeah, I know that the engineering team's better than this. I know we have a solid product. I know that we have a great brand and a stupid mistake or, or or not even really a stupid mistake, just not having the organizational maturity in place to to start thinking digitally hurt us. Yeah. And once you start putting that in place, start thinking that way, it it really became cathartic is a good word, but uh, almost like an epiphany. And it was funny. Some some of some of my organization fought me tooth and nail, thought I was nuts. And then they started to see it and went, oh, wait a minute. You mean my life will get easier? I'm like, yeah, because mm-hmm. you got 15,000 red alerts. Which one of those 15,000 red alerts are the one we got to focus on to make sure that the site comes back up yeah. or that this feature on fantasy comes back up or this portion of news comes back up, right? What is that? Wh- what is it? Oh, it's like, okay, so we're, we're, we're doing the old school method of let's take this piece of paper out. Okay. Check, is it powered on? Oh, it's powered on. Okay. Yeah. Next one, is the cable plugged in? Ugh. 
right? It's, you move away from that and you start being very smart about how you do things. And But it was a maturity model thing. And it was one of these things now that as I go into organization, as I'm helping people with strategy or, or organizational structure, one of the first questions I look at or things I look at is, where are you in the maturity curve now? And then where do you want to be? Yeah. And how many steps are in between there? And organizationally, are you structured to get to that point? But yeah, that that that, that failure was hard. That failure was hard. So how'd the Star Trek one go? Oh, right. it was epic. It was epic because it was the first time that we put it to the test. Mm-hmm. And we had we had a control room with 15 different TVs with uh, Grafana graphs everywhere mm-hmm. on all different components. We knew uh, we knew total number of subs coming in. We knew what the traffic load looked like. We knew everything, everything. And we had load tested. We had partnered with in engineering. And well, let me rephrase it. Engineering partnered with us, mm-hmm. which was really cool in that we were a unit together that we weren't going to fail. Hell or high water, we were not going to fail on this. And it was epic. And and I, I think the thing that was even more epic is I had a, a really bright young young guy who helped me really kind of just drive a lot of this SRE stuff, show up like totally buttoned up. And then we're like really just not sure what's going on because he's kind of he's a little geeky. Uh, <laughs> at about midway through the first, because we did two episodes and then it got delayed because Oprah was on 60 Minutes and then we're like, oh, for the love of God, we're watching all the tweet, all the tweets coming through. And it's like, okay, they're not complaining about the service. They're complaining that Star Trek Discovery is being delayed by 30 minutes because Oprah is on. My brother-in-law is a huge, huge Trekkie and their whole, their whole household watches, has watched from the, from the first episode. So I feel like that I, I don't know if I remember that exact moment in time, but, uh, I remember it was, it's the, it's household viewing. And there's not a lot of shows that are that are household viewing these days. Right. Um, well, yeah. And it's, and it's probably not so much household viewing the second episode because the first one was over broadcast. And then the second one was online only, mm. which you take the online only it gets, and you take Star Trek. It gets pretty risque. You could do some pretty interesting things like the, the battle scenes. It probably really is like to be on a starship in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Right. You know, Captain Kirk, or even Picard, you know, always the polite Frenchman with a British accent. Yeah. Th- that kind of falls apart. It's like WTF, like I would, I would imagine what it would be like to yeah, be, yeah, uh, yeah. It, in the heat of it, right? And so that's really fun. That's but this, right. this young guy cracked me up. He just, just out of the blue started to disrobe and had a full-on authentic officer uniform underneath. Oh, that's so funny. And, it, and then, so how did it go? It went to the point that we were like, we could enjoy that moment and applaud him instead of running around trying to figure out what happened. That's great. So it was epic. You know, it was, it was epic. It was a lot of fun. At what point, you know, I feel like this is pretty common thing for a lot of companies that have been around a long time and they're like their IT or technology or now the rise of the chief digital officer where the company kind of realized has that moment where, you know, the legacy part of the business or just the majority part of the business. And they're like, okay, well, we'll break off a digital division or, you know, you have CBX Interactive or whatever it is. At what point did you realize kind of when you were in that, in that role, this isn't going to be like the younger brother or younger sister of the business. Like this is going to be the business. Mm -hmm. Like it might not be now, it might not be in two years or five years, but like at some point in time, this is just going to be 
80% of people will view on, on digital. Mm -hmm. I would like to say right away. Yeah. Um, uh, my, my first week at CBS interactive was March madness where we had all the TV streaming and I had already been a cord cutter for six years at that point. Wow. And, but it, it really wasn't, I'm not going to take any credit for helping guide that. I mean, it was all Jim Lanzone and, and Mark Debevoir really guiding that along. Jim's the the chief digital officer of CBS, guiding that along and taking baby bites at it because yeah. because it was, I, I could see it a million miles away. Advertising revenue is going to get soft at some point. Subscriptions yep. are going to be solid. Yep. Uh, you look at Netflix is just kind yep. of crushing it with their, what, 128 million or whatever subscribers, whatever they say they have. And they don't really, they're not ad-based. Yep. And if people get very frustrated with ads, whether it's a slate or a repeating uh, Honda ad. So I, I always really thought in the back of my head that this is this is the real deal. And when we started, the CBS Interactive job, quite frankly, was going to be a um, stepping stone job for me. I was just, it was, I, I had wanted to move out of the startup world, kind of go into a little bit more stable ground for a while and see what my next step would be. But once I saw the streaming, once we started doing, working towards the uh, digital news channel, yeah. the CBSN and the all access product, I was all in. And that's when I became the CIO over there. And I'm like, I'm all in because I believe this is where we need to go. And I believe we're no longer the redheaded stepchild, no matter what my peers at corporate would tell me. Yeah, Because my peers at corporate, they really did look at us like, the annoying little teenager. It's like, okay, go play with your interwebs. Yeah, totally. and, and then, you know, when you're done playing with your interwebs, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll give you some Pez and you guys can go play Star <laughs> Wars. And then, you know, just- And you're like, fine, I will take the Pez and play Star Wars. I will, I will. And then you just wait, right? And it was a really interesting transformation because, it, and, and this is totally public. I mean, you can go back and look at it, but like all the quarterly reports where they're talking yeah. about, about, the CBS business, you know, you talk, you look nine years ago, seven years, eight years ago, even seven years ago, you know, it was like, uh, oh yeah, we got this interactive thing. They do like CNET and a couple other things. Yeah, whatever. Right. And then you fast forward to now, it, it's almost, it's 30, 40 minutes of the analyst call of how they performed, what are the sub rates, you know, how does Showtime doing from a sub perspective? Yeah. And it's all about that. And it was- Well, Showtime also ripped off some major shows in this run too, that are like, were some pretty big cultural milestones as well. Oh yeah, what's um, your favorite? Dexter was like the season, I think what season three of, or season four, I think of Dexter, yeah. where you had season one and two, and then three was the little weird. And then four was like the Lithgow one, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it was just like, I remember, because I think I started, I think I binged like the whole thing. Right. Um, And uh, yeah, it was just one of those moments where like, this show is like nothing I'd ever seen. Like, this is just crazy. Right. And that, and that's the beauty of it too. And, and I think we're in a new world or new age of content in that, you know, you, you take a Breaking Bad. Yeah. I, I, I love this story and whether it's true or not, I don't know. Go look it up on the internet. <laughs> if I'm wrong, my daughter will correct me. Uh, but it's like she, it, she can't right now. Yeah, she's she, fast, she's, she's asleep. She's 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 well out. We've we've done her job. But you know, I think it's AMC who had uh, Breaking Bad. Yeah, it was yeah right. And they had this is the story I heard is they put it on Netflix because they're like they were going to kill it. Yeah. And what had happened is we got to binge it and we started watching it and in the, the story 
the story creation, the story, the the movement, you were able to take stories so much further. Now. Yeah, and and I got I got sucked in, and and it's like it's uh, also the best. I think it's the best pilot in TV show history. Yeah, I mean the the character just the start to finish. So you're like, as soon as you are like, oh, this show that people has been talking about, you get to episode one, you're like, I have to watch two, and then. Yeah, right. And you watch how Walter White transforms yeah. and that whole bit. You know, you got Sons of Anarchy, very similar. Yeah. Walking Dead. I, I think the Discovery episode or show is really good. Uh, but you have all this ability now to to get the analytics around how shows are performing, which makes it really, really fascinating in that, you know, I think what Amazon, they, they'll they just uh, pilot vomit like- yeah. 300 shows. I'm exaggerating. I'm an exaggerator. But they'll 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 pilot vomit a ton of shows to see which ones stick. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, they do they did like that pilot season. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. You remember? Um also before I forget, so uh Homeland, which was oh, amazing. God I love Homeland. And Penny Dreadful is another show. I didn't catch that till like way later on. And I was like, this show is wild. Right. And the, yeah, anywho. Did you um, did you watch uh, Billions? So I have not watched Billions yet. Uh, with 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 Brody. I know. Oh, Brody's bad. I know. I love those guys and I've heard that I should watch it. Um and I just kind of never I just haven't I, there's something about me that like the whole like hedge fund stuff and all that sort of stuff I'm like I really just don't. I I can't pull the trigger yet. I'm I'm still waiting. No, that's a, it's all good. But Homeland Homeland solid. Carrie Fisher is just crazy. Uh, but 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 you have but you have all this content now that you could that is like billions maybe isn't your forte isn't your thing right but it's mine so I can watch it but yep. you like Penny Dreadful right yep. and I watched a few episodes of Penny Dreadful couldn't quite get into it it's so weird I, that's what I loved about it. I just love like the I love historical fiction we like write it here at Mission so that's part of the reason why I love it yeah. I just love the idea that you can take threads of old things and like spin them into new stuff, I think, anyways. Uh, but so I, I just love the historical, like retelling and like that that stuff is just- Yeah, it, it, it's it's amazing, right? And you have you have that whole breadth of content now that is so accessible to everyone because looking at you, you're not old enough to remember, but I mean, there were Saturday night, you had three shows yeah, yeah, or two yep. shows, Love Boat and Fantasy Island, right? Yep. And it was like- it, They were horrible. That's what you watched. Yeah. You couldn't, you didn't have a choice. Then the cable came out. Oh my God, this is awesome. Okay, I can watch- 12 channels and then, you know, VHS and then DVDs, you could rent them. But now it's like, I think, I think eventually you're going to get into content fatigue. I, I know me personally, I'm in content fatigue where it's like, what do I want to watch? I'm like, I don't want to watch anything. I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm trying out this new thing that are called books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. It's like they, they, people write down things and you read and they kind of imagine what happens. Well, I'll do you one better. Okay. Have you heard of podcasts? I, you know yeah. what? That's another one that's pretty amazing. Well, so this is why we're so bullish on podcasts is because podcasts are augmented reality, right? Like mm -hmm. you can do other stuff with it and you do not need a screen and you can do episodic things and seasonality and all sorts of this other fun stuff that shows can do, but you don't need a screen. So you can go enjoy nature or you can do, go hang out with whatever. You can go to your you know, kid's soccer game or whatever it is, uh, go to the gym and you can still enjoy that type of stuff and it's just that's what's so exciting is like it's screenless and if you you know all of the billions of dollars that have been invested in uh you know air creating airpods v1 and alexa and a google and all these sort of things like there's a lot of bets on audio content so someone's well, got to fill it 
Or she doesn't have her AirPods in, but you know, you're in the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there we see. Now we're talking. See, now you're talking, right? And I, I we won't plug compare. I wouldn't be a competitor podcast, but I mean, I, I, we don't. Do we see like that's another thing too? Is like in new media, like I, we don't view anything as competitive, right? It, I don't. It's like, augmented, right? It's like so. If, if this uh, and that's the way we actually looked at the Super Bowl. I, I talked to my CRO at one point, and I was like, I made I made a really dumbass comment and. <laughs> It happens. I'm a Comstock, but it's, um, and no offense to all the other Comstocks out there, but it's that you want your competitor to do really well in the Super Bowl because you're totally. next year that, that's going to dictate your ad that's sales. That's a great point. Right. It's like you want every, every year before your year, you want the Super Bowl to do really, really well. Absolutely. You want yeah. it to be stellar because that's what's going to dictate the inventory. And I, I think same in the podcast world. And in the in the content world, is you really want some of this other content to do really well because yeah, it augments the, yeah rising tide exactly. So uh, it's fascinating. Since we've already done sixty minutes. Um, oh, sorry. No, no, it's all good. Somehow our producers booked an hour and a half, which they normally don't do, but they guess they thought you were worth it. Oh, awesome. Um, before we get out of here, actually, before we do the lightning round, which we'll get to, I did want to touch on uh, employee productivity. Uh huh. It was something we talked about a little bit before, but I'm just curious to like what your your take is on where we are and where we are going. I know this is something that you dealt with obviously a ton with new technologies going from analog to digital, mm-hmm. but also just the tools that we use internally now have completely changed. You know, we've seen the rise of all the the boxes and the zooms and slacks and all this stuff. You know, I'm curious to what you think, you know, obviously we use our Salesforce customers, Salesforce sponsors the podcast and we love them. Um, there's just so many digital tools that keep people on the same page, that keep people productive or help try to keep them productive. We talked to a uh, really smart uh, marketer who's talking about how the, the content, the, the number one content out there for executives was around productivity. Mm-hmm. Everyone is looking to be more productive. How did you view getting employees on the same page throughout your career, I guess, but specifically most recently with CBS? Well, yeah, I've always thought, of, I've always been thinking about it, but I, I think recently, especially with the digital media move and watch this, I'm going to tie it all together, is like from a, from a consumer perspective, we want you to be able to watch the show you want to watch, when you want to watch it, where you want to watch it, how you want to watch it. Yep. You want to watch it on iPad? Cool. You want to watch it on your phone? Cool. You want to watch it on a... 4K TV with uh, Apple TV, God bless you. You know, if you want to watch Homeland or if you want to watch Penny Dreadful or you want to watch it at midnight, you want to watch it at noon, Yep. You whatever, right? I think the employee productivity is that in that, you know, employees are starving to find ways to be more efficient. They want to work in the medium they want to work in, whether that's Slack, whether that's texting, whether it's email, whether it's directly on the app they want to get the information they need at their fingertips and you know and i'm starting to see companies come across that are just just amazing right in that like uh, this company dialpad I'd lo- i just love it's, oh yeah yeah you know dialpad oh of course I love uber, those guys so uber conference i used to get a lot of i used to have uh uber conference and uh i had the like rick roll as like the, the the waiting thing. Oh, I, I love that. I see so many compliments on that. <laughs> I love that one. But they, but that, that's their Uber conference, but they're on their talk product. I mean, it, it's it's this sums it up pretty well. It's like you got this old, 
commodity service, telephones, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I'd rather e-class. But you integrate with their product and it has LinkedIn connected. So yep. I call on you connected in LinkedIn. I can see who, who, who you know. Yep. And I'm like, hey, you know Alvina. Yep. Isn't she awesome? Hi, Alvina. Yeah. But it's like, she's awesome. It's great, right? And then for sales productivity, that's amazing. It gives them another level that they could actually have authentic experiences. You know, you have it connected in with 365 and, and Google Apps where if you're my CEO and you're calling me and you don't normally call me and I see an email that says WTF, mm-hmm. I know to read that. Yep. Right? And then you have auto-logging into Salesforce. So you're making, you know, salespeople are making calls and I'll tie it together, right? It's not a pitch, but it's like you tie it together they, they can auto log calls. Salespeople, yeah. you want your salespeople to be salespeople. You want them to build those authentic relationships. You don't want them to be the best at Salesforce. And, you know, and then you have ServiceNow or, you, or, or, or Zendesk. You call in and it's like, hey, you've called in five times on your laptop. Here's your laptop. Let's get you moving. So in the employee productivity, thing, what can you do to enhance that experience and move it forward? And one of the things they did is really cool. And I think you'll see it in an Uber conference. I'm not really sure, but they have natural language processing in real time. Yep. Which is so. Oh, I'm, su- I'm super excited for this. So freaking cool, right? Yeah. Because connect the dots. So, like, if just you and I are having a call and, hey, we got an action item, blah, 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 and I got my summary, and now all my notes are right there. Because what we'd normally do is take a bunch of notes yep. and I'd miss action items and miss things, and we're not having an authentic conversation. I'm not even listening to you, uh, unlike today where it's been very engaged. Now, take that and take it up a level, take it to a support. Someone calls in and to the fantasy football, I meant to put, you know, <laughs> this guy in versus this guy in and I'm really upset. And you could have the artificial intelligence start coming back and, and, and saying, okay, what do you need to do? You take it in with sales and marketing where a salesperson is following a marketing lead. I mean, and, and this is where it gets really interesting is that I'm going on two different tangents, but from a productivity perspective, you're able to take very subjective things that used to exist, marketing, sales. Yeah. Sales always is, the marketing message is wrong and and marketing is you don't follow the marketing message. So this helps you identify, well, how many times did the, the prospect mention a competitor, a price, mm-hmm. a feature, whatever, and you can refine the marketing message with data. I think it's just an amazing thing. And I think what's, what's happening is you got this artificial intelligence movement and it's really going to move into pockets of like voice intelligence, storage intelligence. You got Slack, which is amazing. It's going to be chat intelligence where you can connect it into Salesforce and be able to go, okay, what's the pipeline? Like my the CFO could say, what's the pipeline? It could pop up in Slack without having to go to Salesforce yep. or ask for a report. Yep, It can come up right there. Okay, I'm the sales person. I got to update my whatever I got to update. You know, you do it all in Slack if that's what the medium you want to do it in. Oh, yeah. And you can, and it allows leaders to be able to pull, like specifically when you're looking at those conversations, is like, how many calls this month has someone like mentioned our competitors? And right. you can just literally pull it all right then and there. Right then and there. And that's the cool thing about it. Once you get into this voice intelligence stuff, you can pull all that stuff out. You can pull you, your, your like Google keywords, right? Basically. Basically, yeah. And your salespeople are auto logging this. So you have, an, you have the yep. transcript that auto gets logged into Salesforce. So now you know, hey, my salespeople are calling. So like if I'm talking to Kira and she's not meeting her quota and she has no idea what I'm talking about right now, but it's like, she's not meeting her quota. She's like, I've called all my customers. I can go look and there's not one log. Yep. And you know, with this dial pad, it's like, it auto logs it. So I'm like, okay, you're feeding me a line. And then she's like, no, I was using Snapchat to- Yeah, I was using like, Snapchat. Oh, oh, you should be using your approved devices. Right, but then you start getting into that. Let's just run with that for a minute. It's like, so let's say, 
when she gets into the workforce, Snapchat is a business tool that they want to use. How do you integrate that in and get the intelligence in that you might use Dialpad, she uses Snapchat. Mm-hmm. How do you connect it all together to give a unified view? Because I think I think this is where we're headed is you have to somehow get a unified view of your landscape. The ability to force feed employees tools is fading. I mean, you can, you can control it to a point, but someone's going to like Trello or, yeah. or Asana or Smartsheets or something else better, right? And so you how do you connect that all together and then really get into that intelligence perspective? And I think the AI is going to be this universal thing and you're going to get into the voice intelligence like with Dialpad or you're going to get into chat intelligence with Slack or storage intelligence or data intelligence. And it's going to be making those individual components smarter. And then you're going to see components that are commodity that are just going to pop up. They're going to be it's like, oh, wait, voice? That's strategic now. Now, from a marketing perspective, I can indicate what marketing message is working, what isn't, how many are mentioning price. You can take it back to the product people. They can change the pricing if it comes up too much and they lose deals over it. It's just amazing. But back to the employee productivity is, is tying that all together and giving them the capability to get their job done. Because your number one job is, as my personal belief is, that my job is that when you hire that rock star marketing person, that their first thing they do is start marketing. Mm-hmm. Not figuring out how to use the expense system, not figuring out what their laptop is. Not getting is, onboarded for not getting two weeks. For two weeks, yep. right? And you know the salesperson should be out there making calls and calling on prospects and qualifying prospects right away and have all the tools they need to get their job done, whatever that looks like. I, uh, like I said, I, I love to be wrong. And, and I might be wrong on this one that somehow we'll universally come back and say, okay, everyone's going to use Oracle. But I just don't see that because I think there's so many good point solutions totally that can tie into a Salesforce where Salesforce becomes the data lake or Oracle becomes the data lake of information. Yeah, and I think that people, and I think that the savvy, you know, CIOs are, you know, like we were talking about Paul Chabot from Box, where he's just so agnostic with do what makes you feel comfortable, like bring your own device, bring your own whatever. Right. Um, and then, you know, business units that want their own stuff, like, yeah, bring it to me, we'll vet it, like that sort of mentality, rather than being just, you know, draconian and saying like, this is what the company is is doing and like IT has to own it all. And if we don't, then you don't get it sort of thing. I think that. And Paul is a rock star and we were talking about earlier and we agree. But if if you as an IT owner or IT leader have to own that, your your constituency, your peers, your people using it should never know that they're even using it. Yeah. It should be so seamless. You know, we're talking about Mark Sello from Okta, right? Okta, when we deployed it, it was Ah, like the clouds <laughs> opened up, right? Yeah. You know, you deployed Slack, it started to open up. We started doing things like Slack bots doing deployments from yeah. Slack. It's not a chat tool. Yep. Right? But if you're gonna if you're gonna be draconian about it on certain things, you better dang well be sure that your consumers don't even know that they're using it and that they love it and it's an experience yeah. that they want. Right. And if they don't want that experience, and you're doing it for the sake of doing it because it's technology, back to my original thing, technology without culture is just technology. You're doing it for technology's sake or security's sake, right? Security without culture is security. And yeah. it's like, okay, are you moving the needle forward? Don't forget that our goal is to have you watch a video. Mm-hmm. I don't need a 30 character password, uppercase, lowercase, you know, special character yeah. number that you're gonna have to put in your Apple TV yeah. 
It's like, oh, shoot me, right? It's like, no, this is our goal. How do we make it so that you are secure and you don't even know it because we're, we're helping you? That's a great point. Let's get into the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like the lightning platform by Salesforce. You can create mobile apps fast with low code on the lightning platform mobile. You can go to salesforce.com slash build mobile apps to learn more. We love Salesforce. You will too. Check it out. Support the podcast. Fast and easy questions. Are you ready? Fast and easy. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? Uh, Instagram. Just like your daughter. Just like my daughter. Favorite use of AI or chatbots that you've seen recently? Uh, dial pad with the natural language processing. Epic. Favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? Principles by Ray Dalio. Oh, so good. So good. Uh, we did a whole episode on, uh, on principles for one of our shows. He's just, it's just so uh, good. Man, the whole, the whole idea of mindfulness in the workplace. Yeah. But this is a lightning round. We got to keep going. Lightning. Lightning-y, as uh, my producers tell me I say all the time. <laughs> what, uh, what, was, what was your favorite show over the years? Or one of your favorites? Mr. Robot. So good. So good. Favorite vacation spot? Uh, Kona. I don't know Kona. Where's that? Uh, Big Island, Hawaii. Oh, got it. Uh, what do you do for fun? Bike, run, snowboard, get outside, sleep. Best advice for a first-time CIO? Don't be afraid to fail. Learn from your failure and the maturity. Look at the maturity of your organization and where you want to go before you take that first step. What question did I not ask you that you wish you'd been asked? Uh, man, we talked a lot. Um, <laughs> probably going to be two episodes. Two episodes. Yeah, probably break it in half. Yeah, sorry, dude. Uh, oh, no, it's all good. This was great. What was my greatest success? What was your greatest success? We talked failures, didn't talk successes. We talked failures, not successes. I think my greatest success was... <laughs> well, I was just learning from those failures and really pivoting and moving quickly and transforming the organization to, to really embrace what we need to do next. And, you know, trial and error through OKRs, KPIs, the yeah. whole bit. And it was, it was painful, but it was so good and so fun to watch when we finally just started hitting on all cylinders. Just beautiful. Steve, this has been awesome. Anything, uh, anything to plug? Anything, uh, anything else that we missed? I don't think so. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been great having you. We'll have to have you back for CIO Roundtable sometime very soon. Absolutely. That sounds like a blast. Talk soon. Ditto. Salesforce just introduced Salesforce Blockchain, the industry's first truly declarative blockchain platform integrated into your CRM. Learn more at salesforce.com slash blockchain.